Aren't you glad you came tonight and got past the rain before it started raining? Give yourselves a hand for coming. Amen. We know the old saying, a raindrop will keep 10 people away. But those are some big raindrops, it looks like. So it might be kept 20 away. I'm glad you're here. And uh, we don't have to turn the sprinklers on tomorrow. Amen. So make sure you turn them off if you have any. We want to uh, remind you tonight of a few things. Um, how many have gotten a bumper sticker or a window sticker, I should say? Anybody not gotten one yet, but that wants one, they're back there by the back. As you go out, grab one and uh, put it on your back window. If you need someone to do it, I'll do it for you because I don't want it to sit in your car. I want it to be on your car. Amen? So if you need help with that, it takes three seconds, and I can put it on for you. But we want people to see this around town, and then they relate it when they go by and see this up here. They go, oh, okay, that's the church, okay? As long as you didn't uh, flip them off or something on the freeway, then make sure they don't see your sticker, okay? <laughs> Amen. So we've got to remember, if we put it on, we're showing that we are believers. Amen. All right. And the other thing was the ushers have got some cards. I'm going to have them pass out a couple to every person real quick, and as they're doing it, I'll explain it. Um, we're going to be doing something really important two weeks from tonight. We're going to be, and this is just a couple to have in your hand. I'd like you to take more. Uh, we've got about a 1,000 of these. But in two weeks, we're going to start something called Vacation Bible School. Amen. And we're going to be reaching out to the kids. Me and my wife know firsthand how much you can get to an adult through a kid. And uh, we want to really, we've always had a heart for kids, but because we've been building the church, we haven't really been able to maximize um, the things we want to do with kids, and we're hoping this will be a kickstart. We'd love to see a kid's ministry out in the streets be started and lots of stuff go on. But uh, this is going to be Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of that week, the 12th to the 14th. So two weeks from tonight, um, we're going to be having 6 to 9 p.m. It's out on the sign, and uh, we need volunteers and helpers. And what we're going to do is that Wednesday night, which is two weeks from tonight, we're not going to have normal service, but we want you here. We don't want you to stay home. We want you to help participate with us, but it's going to be for the kids. Okay, so don't just take the night off. Come help us and stay back at the back if you have to and watch if you don't want to get too close to the kids or whatever, if you're scared of them. But come help us and, and don't just miss service. But that's going to be the kickoff. And we're going to have some competition during the three nights with between the men and the women, or sorry, the boys and the girls, and try to teach them the Word of God. Amen? So please, um, this Sunday... Uh, in the morning, we're going to be having a Sunday school meeting, and then after service, we're going to be having uh, volunteers need to stay after service for just a few minutes so we can go over what, what we need you to do, okay? So please help us out with that um, Sunday morning after service. Then also, ushers, council, and praise team, and Sunday school are meetings this Sunday. So it's going to be a busy day Sunday, amen, our bi-monthly meetings. Amen. Any other announcements I'm missing? Also, don't forget next, is it next Saturday, Martha, a week from this Saturday? On the 8th, uh, we're having a fundraiser for the youth. Uh, how many know who Martha is? Let's look over here for a second. Martha, raise your hand. She's a huge blessing. She's been an amazing blessing for uh, Ashley and Dylan on helping us raise funds for the youth camp. And uh, we're, we're getting there, huh? We're not lacking much. Probably two-thirds there, I think, maybe? Well, was about a third left per kid, 100 bucks or something like that. 
and maybe over 125 for the 325 for the camp. So next Saturday, we have a really awesome opportunity. All of our youth have tickets, and we're going to have a breakfast at Applebee's. Applebee's, right? Right there across the street, right here down the, down the road. And uh, it's, it's $8 for a breakfast, and I, I'm, I'm excited to taste Applebee's breakfast because they don't do it. So I'm sure it's going to be good. But you, can get a, you can't get a breakfast anywhere with, the, you know, with everything included for that um, at a regular restaurant. So, let's, so you're getting the breakfast and you're helping the youth raise money. So uh, find a, it's 8 to 10, 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock. You can come anytime in that time frame, but you have to have your ticket. So see the youth and uh, they'll sell you a ticket if you need one. And um, we'll have that fundraiser going on. And then don't forget, in the week after that is uh, Vacation Bible School and then Revival. This Sunday we'll have um, our bulletins for the whole week. Of, did I say Vacation Bible School twice? Okay. We'll have uh, Vacation Bible School then Revival with Pastor Gould. Amen. So we'll have these Sunday for the whole month of June. And uh, how many have been ex- uh, liking these to help you stay on track? Amen. And know what's going on. We're trying to do stuff, but we don't want to waste money on nothing. I hope you're using them. Amen. Hopefully not just getting thrown somewhere. Open your Bibles to the book of Daniel, chapter 3. And then I'm going to read a verse in the book of John for you not to go there because I don't want you to have to go to two places. Just go to Daniel, chapter 3. And I want to continue tonight on the series we've been doing all month. It's good to see Raul and Vanessa tonight. Amen. You've been on our my, on my heart a lot. I'm glad you're here. Amen. We love you. And... Uh, I want to continue on this series we've been doing all, all month about being a fan or being a follower. I hope that after a month, and I might continue this into next month because there's still so much more that the Lord's giving me and things that he's showing me. Um, and I, I, want you, I hope that now at the end of May, you're more close to the follower side than you are to the fan side. Amen? Amen. Were you deep in thought or? Okay. I hope that you're closer to the follower side than you were to the fan side. Even say it by faith or something, amen? We need to be getting closer to the Lord. And I know some of these messages have been very uh, heart-wrenching as they've gotten us to really realize where we're at in our walk. And that's the key. That's the way it is. It's not been for condemnation, but it's been for us to realize, you know, why do we do what we do? Why do we praise? Why do we worship? Why do we come to church? Why do we love Jesus? Why do we believe in all these different things? So please keep your heart open on that and continue to ask yourself those questions. And we read this way back in the beginning, but I want to read it before I read a story out of Daniel chapter 3. Jesus was with the disciples, and he's teaching them, and he's being very straightforward with them. And he says a lot of stuff that's kind of checking their spirit. And at the end, he says these words to them. Um, he says, some of you don't believe, and, we, and, and this has been talked about over and over again, and we must understand it, that God knows who believes and who doesn't, amen? God sees past our exterior and into our interior, and God knows our motives, and God knows everything about us, and God knows the end from the beginning, and the beginning from the end. That's why he's the Alpha and the Omega, and the beginning and the end, and he's the Prince in the peace of peace, he's the uh, um, a bright and morning star. He's all these words the Bible talks about. He's everything, so he's all-knowing, all-powerful. Amen? He's omnipresent. He knows everything, so we can't fool him. But one of the things he knows being God is when he started the earth, he knew the end, who was going to be saved and who wasn't. Not that he chose. This is very important. Not that he said 
those people are going to be cho- are going to choose me and those aren't it was a knowing thing it was a knowledge thing and so he knows here he's saying here in John 6 he's saying i know which of you believe and which of you don't and how many understand that have you grasped that yet it's the, the difference between him him choosing us for him or him knowing that we we're going to cho- choose him it's very important that we understand that and he knew and he says some of you don't believe so a bunch of them were professing to believe. They were professing to be followers. They were all around. In this chapter, particularly, he was talking to, in parentheses, disciples. Okay, people who professed to be followers. One very good example of that is Judas. Judas professed to be a follower. He was, he was looked at as a follower. He was in the crowd of a follower, but we know that Judas was not a follower. He was a fan. That's why he gave Jesus up. That's why he uh, did what he did. And we could go on to understand and really get the fact that God did not choose that Judas would do it. He knew that Judas would do it. And he knew that he would betray him. And so it goes on to say as he's talking to these disciples, Therefore I've said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by the Father. And it says from that time many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. You know what that means? His disciples quit. They quit. So I want to talk tonight about not quitting. Amen? The fans quit and followers finish. Amen? Fans quit and followers finish. Now I want to read you a story tonight out of Daniel chapter 3. It's an awesome story about Daniel and his mighty men. So I'm going to read quite a bit tonight, so I hope you've got your Bible, I hope you've got it open, but I want to take the time to read this story. Right before we start in 3.1, I want you to know that what's happened is Daniel, who's writing this book, is, has been chosen by God to be used mightily in Nebuchadnezzar's life, and he, Nebuchadnezzar, is having dreams, and he doesn't understand the dreams, he doesn't understand what's going on, and so he's asking, who can interpret these dreams Daniel interprets the dreams, and he comes to to Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, and tells him exactly what the dreams mean, and he knew when he heard that, that it was a confirmation of what he was seeing. And so because he he stuck, uh, stuck his neck out on the line to tell him what the dreams meant, Then he got rewarded, and and Nebuchadnezzar said, Daniel, you're going to lead my people. I'm going to put you in a position of power, and I want you to have some authority. And that's what he's done now. And so now he's got some people uh, under him. And so he's a leader now, and that's where we should all be. Amen? We should all be in some kind of leadership. At work, in your family, amen, in church, we should be leading Yes, we have to follow. You're always going to be following, but you should always be leading too. You should always be leading somebody. You should always be following somebody. How many get that? Amen? We should always be following. We should always be leading. We're following somebody else. That's why Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So Paul was following Christ, and he was asking the next person to follow him. And the people behind him followed them, and we follow. And we need people in our lives that we look at, and we don't put them on a pedestal, but we look at them and we say, I see fruit in this person's life. I see, I see victory. I see, I see consistency. I see a spirit of finishing. I, spirit, I see something in that person, and you should find somebody that you can admire and that you can watch and that you can follow. And then as you follow, you also lead other people. 
And so Daniel's doing that. He's following the Lord and he's leading as well. And so at the end of the chapter, he, he chooses to be in his team, three names of men that you've heard many, many times. Even if you've probably never been in church a whole lot, you've probably heard the names Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Amen? How many have heard those names? And so you might know the story or heard the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. Amen? And so we're going to read that tonight. But the reason is, is because we are always in a place in our faith where we're walking by faith and not by sight. And all the time, we've, we're always talking about this, you're either on a climb up or you're, you're coming down from a mountain. That's life. In God, you might be up on the mountain for a little while, but you're either going up to get to the top of that mountain of a victory or you're coming off of a victory and you're going back down into battle. You have to understand that. And, and I think that so many people don't. So many people don't get that. They think that, that I mean, I'm in this battle and I've won the victory and that's it. Or they think that they're never going to win a victory. You've got to understand that's life, and it's never going to end until Jesus comes back. We're going to have mountains and valleys, and our faith is going to be tested. And there's a reason that Jesus said in his word, He who endures till the end shall be saved. You have to have endurance as a believer. A fan is going to follow the Lord and love the Lord when everything's good, but once the rubber meets the road, once the rain begins to come down, once lack begins to happen, once struggle begins to arise, most fans are going to leave Jesus just like they did in the book of John. A true follower does not leave him. A true follower finishes. Fans follow Sorry, fans, uh, uh, followers finish and fans quit. Amen? They quit. And the only way that you can lose, I've said this over and over again, I want you to get it in your head, the only way you can lose with God is quitting. As long as you have the towel in your hand, you cannot lose. Even if you've thrown the towel down, you can pick it back up. Amen? Just stay in the fight. Don't quit. Don't give up. You're going to have hard times. You're going to have good times. But stay the fight. Know who you are in Jesus. So chapter 3, verse 1, Nebuchadnezzar, the king made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its width 6 cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura, the province of Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather, to gather together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. How many know there's a lot of, of images today in our world? We don't even need to get into what they are. There's a bunch of them. Amen? And it says, so the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, and all those people I just read, amen, came to see Nebuchadnezzar. And then a her, verse 4, a herald cried, to you it is commanded. Now this is something I want you to understand. We are headed in this direction in the United States of America. This is where we're headed. We're headed to this place that they were, they were at in, back in the Nebuchadnezzar days. This, we, we have to really know, and I've been saying this for a long time, and I, got, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but you better get it. You better know in whom you believe. 
Because our government and our world and our United States and everybody is all changing and they're all leading into this thing where they want you to worship everything and everybody but Jesus. I was talking to my brother-in-law while he was here and I was trying to get him to understand as I've told you, but he's new, he doesn't know anything about God. It's always fun to talk to people like that, amen? And, he didn't, and I told him that when you say God, you're not going to offend anybody. But when you say Jesus... It starts fires. It starts wars. It starts problems. And this is what's happening in this book right here. King Nebuchadnezzar is setting up a God that is not God. It's a man-made God. And basically, it's any God. And this is Old Testament, but Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, right? New Testament's the Old Testament revealed. And so in the Old Testament, he's basically saying, I'm setting up an image that's not Jesus. It's not Jesus. And, and it's gold, and it's pretty, and you can call it what you want, but don't call it Jesus. How many understand what I'm saying? Do it whatever you want, but don't believe in, there's a problem with Jesus. Why? Because he's the way, the truth, and the life, and the devil doesn't like that no man can come unto the Father except, through who? Through Jesus. So he sets this thing up, and, the, and the, basically, I'm going to break this down to you in our terms. The newspaper comes out, the news comes on, and says, O nations, O people, all of you, listen. This is what you got to say. Listen, listen, verse 5. At the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall, fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Does any religion just pop in your mind when I just said that? There is a religion where every time that noise goes off, they bow down five times a day. Sound familiar? Remember that everything that goes on in the world comes out the Bible. They think they reinvented the wheel and it's something new. It's all out of the Bible. My brother says he's read the Koran twice, all the way through, and there's no life in it whatsoever. Period. Zero. Zilch. Nada. Amen? And so he said, they say, when you hear this music, you fall down and worship the, what, the image that King Nebuchadnezzar set up. Verse 8. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. They spoke to the king, Nebuchadnezzar. O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, shall fall down and worship the gold image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews that you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. Are you looking at the word there? They have not worshipped your gods, little g's. So he says, I don't care who you worship, just don't worship the God. Or worship the gold image which you have set up. The, the devil, the Bible says, is the accuser of the brethren. He's accusing you tonight because of the decisions you're making for the Lord. 
He's coming at you and he's telling you you're a failure. He's telling you're a loser. He's telling you can't make it. He's telling you can't go on. He's telling you might as well quit and give up. And that's what he's always going to do. He's always going to come talk to you and tell you you're worthless and you're not worthy of salvation. It's always going to come in and say you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. But we know what we're supposed to be doing. So verse 13, Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Remember, these are Daniel's men. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready, so he's asking them this question, and what he does is he gives them another chance. He says, I'm going to do this again, and this time, I know you didn't mean to do it on purpose. You must have been busy or something. I don't, I don't really want to believe what these people are telling me. I'm going to do this again, and I want you to see what happens. So he says, if you're ready at the verse, verse 15, at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, and fall down and worship the image which I've made Good. Good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And watch what he says. Here's the mocking of the enemy. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Underline that if you've got your pen. Who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? I don't know if I can explain to you good enough how you need to understand and know who the God is that will deliver you from his hands. See, many people are Christians in parentheses and claim to be believers of the Lord but don't know who their God is who will deliver them from the hands of the enemy. Because when all hell breaks loose, they seem to run every direction but to God. They seem to look every way but to God. And God is calling us to know who our God is tonight. And he's calling us to be able to say, God, I'm weak. I feel like quitting. I feel like giving up. But I'm not going to do it. Because greater is he that is in me than the devil that I'm staring down in this world. I know who I am in Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to bow to this temptation. I'm not going to bow to fear. I'm not going to bow to my flesh. I'm not going to bow to doubt. I'm going to stand and I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to finish. Because I know who I am. Focus on that verse. Work on that verse. Get that verse taken care of that you know who your God is. You can't say, well, daddy, well, mommy, well, brother, well, sister, who is it? Tell me. No, you got to find out for yourself. You cannot ride the coattails of any family member into heaven. You have to have a personal relationship with Jesus. You get that by praying. You get that by fasting. You get that by reading the word. Amen. Too many of us are trying to get it by some kind of osmosis. That if I hang around somebody enough that prays, I'll be a prayer warrior. If I hang around somebody enough that's godly, I'll be godly. And that's good to be around people like that. But you're lazy. You need to get it for yourself. you got to get a relationship for yourself. 
You need to go to the throne of God and get on your knees and humble yourself and say, God, I need to know who the God is that will deliver me from the hands of the enemy. I need to know for myself. It's good to hear a testimony. It's good to listen to somebody else tell you what God means for them. But do you know who God is? Do you know what scriptures to go look at? Do you know how to pray? All these things you say, maybe not. Well, start learning. That's what church is for. That's why you're here, to learn, to get a a prayer life, to get an understanding of how to read the word. That's why we take notes. That's why we write things down. That's why we're repetitive about things. Sometimes we just sit there and we, and if you have your arms crossed, don't feel bad. It's just an example. And you, everybody go like this. Your arms are crossed and you're just, your legs are crossed and you're looking at me, but you're not listening. Amen. You're not really desiring for this word to get into you so you can know who God is. Am I right? Aren't we lazy as people? I've got a pastor I can call. I've got a brother or sister in the, in the church. They know what to do. They'll give me the answer. That's great. It's good to call on people. But there's going to be times when God will separate you from everybody else and put you on an island to see that you look up to him and nobody else. That's why we come to church. That's why we don't get isolated. That's why we fight the flesh and come. But you've got to get a relationship with God for you. I I, I was thinking about this the other day. This week, as a matter of fact, strongly, I had, had some people come in my mind, in my spirit, and I thought to myself, some people have tried God, and they have kind of come to the conclusion that they're better off without him. They, they, they don't really need to come to church. They don't really need God. And they're not just going to come out and admit that, but they've come to that realization. That's something the Lord spoke to me. They think that. Because it, for some reason, they've stopped coming to church, and it seems like for a moment, in, 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 in being fooled, they seem like it's kind of like the water's kind of calmed down a little bit for a second. They seem like everything's okay, and it's like they're going on, and they're going, wow, this isn't so bad. It seemed like it was worse when we were going to church. It seems like we didn't have, we had more problems when we were going to church. And this seems better. Look at, look at how the Lord has blessed us. We don't really have to go. We don't really need to go to church. We just, and, and he just calmed, the devil just calms the waters. And then that sailboat of that family or that person just begins to sail out into the middle of the ocean. And it just keeps it nice and calm, and he, and he just blows air on them and makes it seem all good. And, oh, yeah, you don't need church. You don't need, you don't need anybody. You don't need God. You're good. And your problems are less, and maybe that church thing was false. And all these things happen until he gets you out there in the middle when the storm rains. It's just like that thunder's raining right now. And goes, okay, now I got them just where I want them. Nice and comfortable. And then, Boom. And then God gets the blame somehow. God gets the blame. Where were you, God? You know, where were you, God? And a lot of times it's like, it's like when the 9-11 happened and all these different shootings happen, and we don't want to have anything to do with God, but then when something happens, all of a sudden we wonder where he is. He inhabits the praises of his people. And so we have to be careful 
to understand that the devil along our walk is constantly trying to get us to quit. Constantly. Over and over and over and over again. So I want you to see this as we close up this chapter. I hope you underlined it. Who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Shadrach, Meshach. Let me tell you something. These men knew their God. They said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. I want, I want you to stop right there and think. I, don't, I, don't want, I want you to isolate yourself, and I want you to stand right in front of the spotlight of God. What do you do when you're in trouble? Is that your faith? That should be your faith. If it's not, work on it. If it's not, ask God to help you. If it's not, say, God, I want that. But that's the question of where we are with God is when something happens, are we able to say, you know what, I, I can't pay my bills. Every, all hell's breaking loose. Things aren't right. But I know, as Pastor said tonight, I know my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. Amen. We, we, we need to be able to say that in the midst of the storm. Not when it's over. Not before it happens, but in it. In the middle of the storm. The thunder, the rain, the, 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 the lightning's coming, the boat's shaking. We need to be able to say, God, I know you are who you say you are. And you're going to deliver me from this. You've done it 50,000 times before. And you're going to do it 50,000 times from right now. And I know who you are, so I'm not going to be shook. And I'm definitely not going to quit. There's no way. A follower gets something inside them that has, quitting's not even an option. Now, I'm not saying the temptation doesn't come, but it's not an option. I'm not saying you don't want to, but it's not an option. There's no way out. I'm finishing this race. There's a reason why Paul said, I have finished the race. So they say, we are going to be delivered. And then look what verse 18 says. This is the other side. What if he doesn't? Do you still love God if he doesn't give you what you want? Do you still love God if he doesn't answer your prayer like you want him to answer it? I can tell you what, for as many times as God has said yes to me and given me the desires of my heart, as many times as he's done that, he said no. Because he knows better. God's always going to answer. But sometimes we don't like the answer. But God knows best. But he, they have the attitude, look what it says, but if not, if he doesn't deliver us, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image with which you have set up. And I've got in my Bible right here, we will not quit. What are they really trying to get them to do? Quit. Because what weren't they doing? Serving their God. 
They were doing the God's will. They were preaching the gospel. They were living the right way. And the devil comes along and says, y'all got to stop. How many times have you read that in the New Testament? Stop preaching the gospel. Read the book of Acts. Stop preaching the gospel. Stop saying the name of Jesus. Nope. And they beat him. Bam, 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 bam. And they, and they left him half dead. And they get up and they go and praise God. And worship God. You know the only way a real follower is going to quit is they won't. They'll die. Stephen didn't quit. He got killed. That's why Paul said to live is Christ, to die is gain. As long as I live, I'm going to serve the Lord. And if I die, I'm going to serve the Lord. Amen. But I'm not going to quit. Quitting's not an option. Fans quit. Followers finish. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury. And the expression on his face changed. This is where I see the devil. When we say God, when we say huh, when we say huh, when we say these little things, he, he don't mind. But when we stand for Jesus, the devil gets mad. Because it wasn't the gods that took away the keys from the devil. It was Jesus. And he got mad and he says, Go and turn that furnace up seven times stronger. So a lot of times we think, okay, I'm standing. Lord, I believe in you. And we think just because we did that, the sky's going to open up and, and the sun's going to come out and the rain's going to stop. Can, but sometimes the devil's going to turn the heat up even more. Sometimes it's going to get worse before it gets better. Sometimes it's going to hurt more before we get healed. Sometimes you're going to have to fall down again before you get back up. The only way you lose is not getting back up. The Bible says the just shall fall seven times and seven times they'll get back up. Amen? Doesn't mean you can only fall five or nine. It's a number that's perfect in God's eyes. He's basically saying however many times you fall, you get back up. And as long as you get back up, you can win. So he's mad now. Turn up seven times and he commands. Listen, watch this. Read this with me. Verse 20. He commands certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace furnace therefore because the king's command was urgent watch this and the furnace is exceedingly hot the flame of the fire killed the men who took up Shadrach Meshach and Abednego they died they should have realized something was happening right there when people begin to come against you and you're doing what you're supposed to do don't worry about them God will take care of them God will take care of those people trying to hurt you. You just bless them, the Bible says, and go forward. God will deal with them. So those men are trying to throw these men into the fire, and they die. That had to have given some faith to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, verse 23, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell, fell down into the midst of the fiery furnace. And the king never, now this is another thing. Can I just finish with this thought? You're going to go into the fire. There's nowhere in the Bible says he's going to keep you from going into the fire. 
We don't like the fire. We don't like trials. We don't like tribulations. We don't like those things. But God did not say he would not let us go in. His promise is that he'll bring us out. He didn't say we wouldn't walk on fire. He said we wouldn't be burnt. He said we wouldn't walk. He didn't say we wouldn't walk through the water. He says we wouldn't drown. Are you getting what I'm saying? You might be in a fire right now. It's okay. You're not alone. So they're stuck in the fire. They're there. There's a reality. Take it back a few days. Maybe they're thinking, God, we're going to stand up for you, but we know that when we stand before Nebuchadnezzar, you're going to change his heart, and, and we're not going to get thrown into the fire. You're going to do a miracle, and we're not going in that fire. And now they know they're going in. They're thinking, man, something in their flesh is saying, I don't know if we made the right decision. I like to get my mind inside their thoughts. Because even though you do something, do it scared. How many times have you ever done something scared? You did it, but you were scared to death. But you did it. That's faith. If it was all perfect and lit up, it wouldn't be faith. And there's going to be times when there's going to be pure darkness. And you're going to feel like you're in the fire. And you're going to feel like all hell's broke loose. And you're going to say, God, where are you? But see, experience shows you that God is there. If you get through one battle, how many, let me ask you a question tonight. Be honest, how many of you have had God bring you through a battle before? Let me see your hand. He's brought you through a battle. You have no doubt he brought you through something. You've been in that fire. So let me ask you a question. Why won't he do it again? Why would we doubt that he would do it again? If he's done it before, he'll do it again. So they're in there in the fire, and verse 24 says, King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. I love this. He rose up in haste and said to his counselors, didn't we throw three men into the midst of the fire? They said, true, king, we did. We threw three men in. He said, look, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they're not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Amen. How many want people to look at your life tonight and see you going through the fire and see God standing there with you? Amen. Saying, I don't know how in the heck they're going through this battle. I don't know how they're still praising the Lord. But in the midst of the fire, they're worshiping God. Can you see that picture? The fire's burning and, and they're waiting for screams and they hear something, but it's not screams. It's singing. They're worshiping God and they're looking through those flames and instead of seeing falling down, they see arms raised. Did you know there's real true stories about that? Real true stories. I've said some of them in this church where people have been burned alive and they've praised God the whole time they were, di were dying. How many know that if, if you took the stand to be burned alive for God, how many know he could take the pain away from the burning? There's nothing impossible for God. Maybe you're not in a physical burning tonight, but you're in the midst of a fire, and God is only wanting the Nebuchadnezzars to see God in your situation. We always look at it like, God, why are you mad at me? God, why did I mess up? God, what did I do wrong? Instead of saying, God is allowing me and trusting me to stand in a trial so that the Nebuchadnezzar world can see God in my life and see that I love the Lord. It's easy to testify after, but what's our testif testimony in the fire?
Fans quit. Followers finish. I see four men. Then Nebuchadnezzar, will close this up, verse 26, went near the mouth of the burning, fiery furnace and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, watch this, servants of the Most High God. Come out and come here. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire, and the satraps, administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw these men on whose bodies, look at this, the fire had no power. I wonder how many got that right there. The devil has no power over the child of God. Zero. The devil can come up and roar in your face, but he cannot hurt you. It's a promise. He cannot touch you. He has no power over you. The only power the devil has over you tonight is the power you let him have. The hair of their head was not even singed, nor were their garments affected. And watch this. This is amazing. And the smell of fire was not even on them. That's a miracle. And Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying, Blessed be the God, not of Nebuchadnezzar, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they frustrated the king's words and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own God. And watch this. Therefore I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces. And their houses shall be made an ash heap because there is no other God who can deliver like this. Give the Lord a hand tonight. Amen. That's a powerful, powerful word. There is. Musicians, you can come. There is. No other God who can deliver you. Something inside of you can rise up tonight that's called faith. Faith. Power. Fight. A fight. I'm not going to quit. No matter how hard it is, no matter how bad it is, or as the example I gave a few minutes ago, no matter how good it is. Because the devil can make it good too where you get that's why I gave that example to where you get to where you feel like I don't need God that's a dangerous place you can either be mad at him because you feel like he's not helping you or you can be mad at him because you feel like you don't need him I need him I need God you need God we need God thank you for the thank God for the Holy Spirit that can help us understand help us get a revelation because if I had to get up here and try to preach something like this in my own words without the help of the Holy Spirit we'd go nowhere but thank God he can help us 